This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. Greg Abbott, the Texas governor, um, when, when approached and confronted about why isn't there exceptions to rape and incest, he said, well, listen, we're going to eliminate rape in the state of Texas. <laughs> Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. Today's essential question is a little PG-13. What the hell is happening in Texas and why the hell should we even care? <gasps> Gasp. Oh my gosh. Oh. Going a little PG-13 here today. I know. I warned everybody. You did. So today we are going to be talking about kind of what's going on in Texas regarding that law that's we've been hearing about um, that essentially bans abortion. We're going to talk about kind of what the Supreme Court is doing about that or not doing about that regarding Roe v. Wade and just kind of overall talk about the absurdity that is old white men making laws about women's bodies. And I was like, do we say making decisions about women's bodies? No, I think we really need to clarify that it's old white men making laws about women's bodies. But before we jump into our full conversation, we want to introduce a new segment to the podcast. With the IWL season upon us, mm. season of pumpkin spice and everything nice, we decided mm -hmm. we needed a spice up our episode segments. You like that? Hey! You like that one? And try something new. We are calling this new segment does it then? Interchangeable. White ladies. The rules are very simple. We will give two things and decide whether they are two completely separate circles, whether they overlap, or whether it is just one circle. So, Hope, are you ready to try it out with like something pretty simple? Yeah, let's let's do this. I'm excited yeah. for this yeah, yeah. new segment here. Yeah. I think yeah. our listeners, even though this is abstract, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, people can understand Venn diagrams, two circles, two circles. with the middle area that usually yeah. is the overlap differences. The commonality in the middle, right? Okay, okay. Let's do this. so let's see, let's see. Pumpkin spice and fall. Well, you know, I'm picturing my two circles. So I think pumpkin spice, I think apple pie, I think mm -hmm. pumpkin spice lattes, mm -hmm. I think Thanksgiving, I think colonialism. I mean, that's my Thanksgiving connection, but I think <laughs> um, seasonings, I think cloves, I think I could probably make it myself, mm -hmm. but I'm too lazy. So I just buy it at the store mm -hmm. really cheap. Mm -hmm. um, in my other circle, I might, you know, fall, I think leaves, I think orange, I think smells, I think, mm -hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of the things in the middle. Oh, I guess orange is in the middle. Maybe orange should actually move to the middle of my Venn diagram. They do overlap mm -hmm. on that. 
they do overlap at the same time of the year. Is that what you're getting at here, Megan? Yeah. yeah September yeah. through December. September frame. through December. See, for November, me, for my mm-hmm. pumpkin spice and fall, two separate circles because pumpkin spice, that circle can just go right in the garbage. You know? Oh, like, okay. I'm so not about that. Yeah, I'm not about okay. that pumpkin okay. spice. I think yeah. for okay. some I people, that. I think for some people, pumpkin spice and fall, one circle. There is 100% overlap. Yeah. Right. I mean, you have to have it with the boot cuffs, with the, with the boots, with the jacket, with the like for some, right. For some people fall cannot exist without pumpkin spice, you know? And you'll be happy about this. I just recently learned that there is a new pumpkin spice flavor uh, thing and it's a food and it's for communion. So if you are a religious person where you take the symbolic, uh, body of Christ, you can now get it in pumpkin spice wafer flavor. Interesting. Which is probably why your circle is in the garbage. Interesting. As somebody who was raised Catholic, I think all Catholics out there just had a coronary. Like, yeah. And I feel like Jesus is rolling around wherever Jesus, he's at. Jesus because, is like, wait like, a second. Wait what a second. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So I think we kind of get the idea. So the next one being an elder millennial and homeowners. Huh. Okay, so define elder millennial because I think that's is that you or should we just that's I me. think I'm beyond that's the elder, elder millennial. You you might be, I'm not sure. Or just what the are the millennial, let's this, just say circle. being okay. a millennial. Okay, okay. Is one circle. What? And homeowners so one circle. Homeowners. And I'm gonna I'm gonna venture a guess that these are just okay, go ahead. two separate circles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I think, economy. I think homeowner, I think like You've got debts. I yep. think millennial. I think you've got TikTok. Or is you that like school? You got like right school student loan debt. Oh yeah, the, yeah. the housing yeah. market is wild right now. Two separate circles. You got avocado toast. I mean, uh, it's listen, not even. I can't quit the avocado toast, guys. Yeah, I can't. True. Quit and it. if only you did, so, then you'd have money for buying your own home, yes. which is another reason these circles are yes. so far apart. From so, um, like, yeah. Not only is it two separate circles, like they're not even in the same zip code. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say like that does not bend. It yeah. does not bend. Yeah. Um, no. So I think we kind of get the idea of it. So now let's move on to um a more serious one. We're gonna move mm, on okay. to a more serious one. People protesting individual liberties at school board meetings and people that support the anti-abortion law in Texas. Okay. Okay. So now I feel like I actually have to draw a Venn diagram. So listeners, you might want to go get your pen and pencil out or marker or whatever. But do you? Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So, but do where you? do they, where are they distinct? Are they distinct? No. I think of whiteness and I really do think, white. okay, they both have white. So that's like in the middle of the Venn. Um, they're both angry at their rights, but only if it's the rights that they want to say are rights. Mm, I mean, that is pretty similar and overlapping. Come on, Megan. Aren't there differences between them? No, what it's one circle. About? That's one circle. Why do you say it's one circle, oh, Megan? Oh, that's one circle. Listen, the faux outrage of white people, mm, those mm, outrages yeah. absolutely overlap. You know, they don't make yeah. sense. You know, if you're going to argue individual liberties, you know, yeah. the, all those posters outside those school board meetings that say, my body, my choice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would argue those same those same people are the ones that are supporting that anti-abortion law in Texas. Interesting. Co-opting. But interestingly enough, 
They know how to work the system because they signed up to go to the school board meeting slash write the laws. Can and we, they know enough of the system to be strategic about that, but also... Interesting. Hmm. Can we also talk about the people that were outside of a school board meeting? Um, it was all over Twitter um, yesterday, and they were protesting um, a, max, a vaccine mandate, and they were like, my student's not going to have to take a vaccine. The school board hasn't even discussed the idea of a vaccine mandate. It's there is no outrage. Come on, Megan. Outrage. It's like, it's like with medical care, you know, it's like pre, what do we call that? When you're like pre-existing condition, but like pre what's preventative care. Thank you. That's the word. Preventative care. It's preventative care. It's preventative care. It's preventative outrage. Industry. It almost is like, like getting the a massage, panel, the death like panel protest. Remember when like there was the death panel protest <laughs> when they were like trying to move towards universal health care and they were like, there's going to be yeah. death panels. And there were all these protests. I really like that. It's preventative outrage. <laughs> yeah, it's preventative outrage. And so if you don't prevent the problem with your outrage, then it will turn into a real problem really... and you don't have time for real outrage Yes, because you need to be focused on preventative measures. I want to trademark that. I want to trademark yeah. that. That's a trademark of IWL, preventative outrage. <laughs> it does not vend. It does not It's bend. one circle. Circle. All right. So I feel like that's a good segue into the conversation that we're going to have today. Well, and one thing I'll add is mm -hmm. we understand the timestamp. Anytime you talk about current events, they're basically over in like one hour from this. So like we're recording on Sunday, the 20, what, what date is it there? 26th there in America, back in America, back um, in America. It's the, it's the 26th. Yes. <laughs> right. And so like, it could change in an hour. It could change tomorrow. It could change Absolutely. in a few days when we release this. So all those caveats. And of course, we will try to update um, our show notes to represent and reflect Absolutely. whatever is happening when this is published. Absolutely. And I think that there, what kind of re-spurred um, the conversation for Hope and I was there has been some movement and progress in terms of um, a Supreme Court case that's coming up in December. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of why we're bringing up, because th this this has existed. There's been a lot of outrage about this for several weeks now, right? The, yep. the law. So I think yeah, just understanding what's happening, the reality that this isn't going away, there's been some movement in Florida, which we'll talk about, but I... I don't think that this is going away. And so really it's, yeah, what the hell is happening in Texas? And also how is it indicative or is it indicative mm -hmm. of what's going to happen across the country in the next several months? And so what should we be looking for? What should we be looking at? And what can we be doing? Um, are we engaging in preventative outrage though? I just want to make sure that we're not having preventative. <laughs> mm. Is there a difference between preventative outrage and educating oneself, you know? I mean, do those Venn diagrams overlap? Are we, are we outside of the state capitol protesting mm. um, an anti-abortion law that does not exist and is not being spoken about in the mm. legislature? <laughs> you know? There you go. Check yourself. That's the difference. Check yourself, people. Check yourself. I am not outside. I am not. Um, I am not outside of the state capitol protesting an anti-abortion law in Washington that doesn't exist, mm -hmm. isn't being talked about, isn't being introduced to the legislature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But let's make sure it doesn't. <laughs> yes. Doesn't so, so I think first we need to talk about yes. what is okay, happening in it. Texas, right? 
So fill us in, residential historian, mm-hmm. social, social studies expert here. Yeah. This heartbeat bill, I mean, this is really a good framing in terms of like, I teach rhetoric. So I'm like, ooh, heart bill. You're pulling people's heartstrings. Absolutely. Like we're like, oh, heartbeat. We care about babies. Yep. We care about heartbeats because who doesn't? If you don't, you're a total person who I, word I cannot say on the air, right? Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's absolutely meant to be, um, it's a politicized name to the bill, right? The heartbeat bill. And so they titled this because the law essentially says that once a heartbeat is detected on an ultrasound, um, abortions become illegal. And that generally happens from six to eight weeks into Mm -hmm. the pregnancy. Now that might sound Mm -hmm. like a long, a lot or a long time to some people, but most women do not know that they are pregnant by that marker. Um, a lot and I was of talking about don't. this. Yeah. And I was talking about this with Nate actually. And it was, we kind of calculated out, essentially you're looking at, you basically have are two weeks after your period, yes. which is not women's bodies are bizarre and mysterious and wonderful. And it, it could be anything so it's like that time frame doesn't barely means anything. It barely means anything. And especially, so I think that women that do know that they are pregnant before six weeks are the women that are trying to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So they're tracking their cycles. They're taking pregnancy so tests, yeah. right? So like the, like truly the only women that know that they are pregnant and I can't, shouldn't say only, but I would wonder like what percentage of women that are actively trying to get pregnant. Um, and And that's how they know, right? They're taking a pregnancy test after they think that when they know the window is that they could be pregnant. Most Mm -hmm. women that are not trying to get pregnant, yeah, it's only two weeks after your missed period. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it is. Which are, there's so many factors for why you miss your period. I don't want to lay into all of our listeners, but like, you know, everything from stress to sleep, to food you're eating, to your exercise regimen, to our bodies are stupid. And also like, there are so many reasons why I think there's this misperception that all women have regular schools. That's just not true. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just, it, that is a, a fallacy of, of the women's, a woman's body um, mm-hmm. or a person who is born with female reproductive organs. Right. Yep. Like, yep. Yep. um, and so just keeping that in mind that like the, the reality is, is that, a woman that would um, want an abortion, want to access to an abortion, the likelihood that she would know that she is pregnant or that they are pregnant before that six-week or eight-week mark is wildly unrealistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Essentially, this bill is banning abortions. Um, and so it's that is outrageous in and of itself. And and to be clear, this is not the first and only time that a state legislature has attempted to pass legislation that has limited access to abortions or has attempted to pass legislation that has banned abortions outright in their state. This is absolutely not the first time mm-hmm. since Roe v. Wade um, happened back in the 70s, right? The early 70s. What is different about this is that the state legislature in Texas has deputized citizens. So it is not the government that is regulating this law. It is citizens. Mm. And so essentially- the You mean scientists? You mean experts? You mean doctors? 
regular civilians. Regular civilians. How your bodies work. Oh, so. Essentially, if a civilian, if a person believes that somebody was a part of um, an abortion, so not the woman that is accessing the abortion, but any doctors, any nurses, any clinic staff, if a person gave a woman a ride to and from her abortion or took care of her after her abortion, a civilian, anybody can sue them for $10,000. There is no limit on how many lawsuits one person can bring in Texas in this situation. And what we also have to understand is that this law significantly changes the definition of a civil lawsuit. So Mm -hmm. a civil lawsuit generally means that you have the burden of of proving that you were personally harmed in order Mm -hmm. to bring a civil lawsuit. In this case, Anybody can sue regardless of whether harm was done to them. So if I was a Texas citizen and I heard about a doctor who performed an abortion, I could sue them for $10,000. Or let's say I was a citizen in Texas and I heard of 20 doctors that performed abortions or a doctor, five nurses, you know, six staff members at that clinic, I could sue all of them for $10,000 each. Do you know what the burden of proof responsibility is with this? Because I mean, I've been listening to this topic with on different podcasts and various things, but that's one of the things I feel like I'm missing in this whole thing is like, if I want to accuse you, what is the burden of proof? Usually you have to have some kind of like, like evidence. So (laughs) for lack of a better word, well, that's the scary part is that it's not defined for it. Really. It's not clear. It's not clear. What is, proof, right? What do you have to have? Like how, how can you prove? And I think that essentially it's meant to be a scare tactic, right? Like it's, you could get sued for $10,000 if you give a woman a ride to her abortion. Yeah. Um, you know, she's got $10,000 lying around to be sued for, you know, or, or several thousand dollars to defend themselves and hire legal counsel. And, and so I think That also I and I this just came to me is that I wonder how this would impact malpractice insurance for Mm -hmm. uh, medical providers. What are Mm -hmm. the uh, malpractice insurance companies doing in Texas right now? Are they dropping doctors unless they can prove? I think that I read one of the Planned Parenthoods um, has just stopped performing abortions altogether because of that. Um, and so I think that that's what, that's how this is different. And so basically there was an emergency appeal to the Supreme court, um, in regards to this law and the Supreme court chose not to act on it. They chose not to hear the case. Um, and I just want to read, I, I found a really great excerpt from an article that we'll link in the show notes. And I was really surprised. It was um, from Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who is one of the three liberal justices on the court. Mm-hmm. And um, so she wrote, so the excerpt says, the high court's order was not based on any conclusion about whether the new law is constitutional. In her dissent, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor wrote that the Texas legislature circumvented constitutional precedent by taking the extraordinary step of enlisting private citizens to do what the state could not. So because Roe v. Wade, the case, the precedent case, 
said that a citizen has the right to privacy between themselves and their doctor from the government because mm-hmm. the government is not regulating this law. That means that it is not an issue of constitutionality because mm-hmm. it's private citizens that are enforcing it. So in other words, they don't need to, it's none of their business because they can't do anything about it, essentially. I mean, it's a catch-22 of sorts. It's a catch-22 of sorts, right? So, um, and I will say, and it was in her dissent, she didn't agree on that. She wanted the Supreme Court to hear it, but it was like this acknowledgement of like, it is wild what Texas is doing. And it was yeah. done intentionally, right? Like, like it is very intentional. But it's so strategic. So like strategic. it's wild and it's like shame on them, but also like, damn, that's really well diabolically planned. Yes. Like oh, that's some amazing construction of like circumventing the rules and like all these like little tiny things that you're like, well, can't do it. Oh, uh, uh. like who do we sue? Uh, who do we even like, even, even there was a couple weeks ago, like conversation about like, who do you even complain to? Like people couldn't even figure out who to complain to or to say like, Hey, how do we get rid of this thing? Um, well, and that's why it's so frustrating. It was, it was so frustrating for a lot of, for activists. It was very mm-hmm. scary for a lot of um, activists that were against this law or citizens that are against this law when the Supreme Court said, we are not going to hear this. And essentially what that meant was this law is going to stand because that is the highest court in the land, right? That, um, and with the Supreme Court saying, we're not going to hear this case, that it's going to stand, it's essentially saying that this is the law in Texas now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just thinking what kind of gets me about all this too is like it's I I was thinking about how it's essentially the same folks who were crying about Sharia law back in like 2012 mm. are now calling these anti-abortion laws for these anti-abortion laws and these are more restrictive than pretty much every place or most places even in the in countries we think that are extremely restrictive such as the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um one of the articles I'll actually link to breaks down just abortion laws in the Middle East and where you know what they look like in various countries and Seriously, no country in the Middle East bans them altogether. And that's from the UN and the and the word World Health Organization data. Like everyone has some kind of measures. And some of them are certainly as as restrictive as Alabama, but there's a lot of, you know, this association that like um these places are going to be restrictive for these kinds of things is just is is quite false. And some actually have really progressive laws around it because of what they believe about women and what they're supporting about women's mm-hmm. bodies um, and different caveats for them. You know, what kind of conditions um, is it about saving a woman's life? Is it about mm-hmm. rape? Is it about, you know, what are these different things? And that that certainly does vary. Like some places actually have part of their law. So there's there's about um I'm looking here at some of these countries. Some of them actually are also concerned about the physical and mental health of the woman as well. And so, you know, what does that look like for the laws that they have? Um, and then when do they consider these other elements? But even in the most, it's just, it's just wild to think, because in the I always think about how hip- hypocritical that is in the U.S. where we, we think that we are, you know, um, we want to cast shade on somebody else or chastise them for some kind of restrictive policy that they have. And yet in our own practice, in our own country, because of states' rights, right, we have such a wide array of what's going on. And I think people kind of forget that. They forget that like, no, in our country, we have these restrictive laws around fill in the blank, this thing about trans rights, about whatever it happens Mm -hmm. to be. Um, And I think people kind of forget that and they want to, you know, cast aspersions elsewhere rather than looking in for themselves to say, hey, what am am I doing here? What are we doing and why are we doing it? Absolutely. I I think 
having conversations. And I think even I'm now reflecting on the way that I even introduced this and um, at the beginning of the episode. And I was saying like, oh, women that don't want to be pregnant wouldn't know until after that six to eight week mark. But we also, that absolutely discredits the experience of um, somebody who has been pregnant and has carried a pregnancy and want this like once that baby and something mm-hmm. happens medically that yes. puts yeah. either their life or the baby's life in jeopardy. Yep. And yep. um and all of those things are not exceptions to this law in Texas. There is no mm-hmm. exception for rape or incest. There is no exception for medical um danger to the to the mother. So I was watching an interview from a woman in Texas who had to, um, essentially they had a C-section at 25 weeks because they, the doctors early on found that their baby had a tumor, um, Mm. and was growing a fatal tumor. And essentially the doctors determined that the baby would not survive out of the womb. And it was at 20 weeks, I believe that they found it. And then they watched it for five weeks and then they determined that it the baby wasn't going to survive. Um, and in fact, it could get septic and the mother's life was in danger. And so at 25 weeks, they made the decision to have a C-section. Um, and she was talking about how under this bill, that wouldn't have been allowed. It would have been considered a late-term abortion. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's those things that I think we don't realize. Like, it's those things of you know, we hear the stories of the handmaid's tale and we hear the stories of, oh, like women are being charged, legally charged with Mm -hmm. an abortion because they had a miscarriage and they can't prove that they had a miscarriage because one, at one point they were um, pregnant in their medical records and then they weren't. And so women being charged with abortion, um, because they had a miscarriage, there's no, like there, there are laws in the books now that mm-hmm. criminalize miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, if this was about a certain other <coughs> body part, then uh, we would not even be having this conversation, it's, friends. It is, it That's is what's infuriating. Also kind of wild, especially like in 2021 where you'd think. And we also we don't things. like, and also it's like history is cyclical and it's so infuriating. It's like you have to yeah. know the past so that you don't repeat the mistakes of it. Having anti-abortion laws have been historically throughout history, it is proven through data that it does not reduce the number of abortions that are happening. It Mm -hmm. reduces the number of safe abortions that are happening Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. like you have to ask yourself, like if somebody is willing to literally either die because they Mm -hmm. want an unsafe abortion or like receive an abortion and not be pregnant anymore like those that is how yeah they're yeah that is the severity of these situations for women and i think mm-hmm. that we also have to realize that there's a reason why after roe v wade there was a surge in women entering the workforce there was a surge in women becoming um independent and um and you know like there feminism and women's rights greatly expanded after Roe v. Wade because having access to healthcare and having access to bodily autonomy matters for women. 
and women's rights. This is not just about abortion, right? This is not just about access to abortion. This is access to having bodily autonomy and having independence and being able to make choices about your life. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing for me. I don't feel like any of this stuff happens in isolation. Like I, I firmly believe like if you want to stop abortions from happening, then we need to make conditions in the world in which people don't have to, don't be get put in positions where that's something that they need to seek out right? For whatever. How about we get rid of rape? How about we get rid of, right? Like, how will we well, do these things? I'm sorry. I'm like chuckling, but I'm no, just like, it's we, because we don't want to do it because it's too hard. So then what do we have left? Okay. We have abortions. And so then, oh, now we have, what do we have left from there? Oh, people saying you're killing babies. Or you're not killing babies. Like, again, it's just the, the, the boiling down to just talking points too. It just makes oh, me so irritated. The politicalization like, of a woman's body. What is the real issue here? Like, how about we it's, make a, yes. how about we change the world and like not treat women like garbage? How about we, you know, well, make it so that people who want babies can have babies and people who want to carry for somebody else's baby who isn't able to take care of that baby. Like, yeah. why can't we make that better? Right. And so I do have to say that Greg Abbott, the Texas governor, um, when, when approached and confronted about why isn't there exceptions to rape and incest. He said, well, listen, we're going to eliminate rape in the state of Texas. (laughs) And I have to say, so I don't know if y'all listen to the White House um, press briefings. Um, Our press secretary is a boss. And when a reporter asked her about that comment, she was like, listen, if Greg Abbott has the solution to completely eliminating rape, something that's never happened in the history of the world, by all means share that because we would love to make that happen. But until he can come up with a solution for that, that's a moot point. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it just, it's, I agree. It's, well, it's kind of like COVID though. Like if you don't test for it, then it doesn't exist. It doesn't right? exist. So if you don't ask people only, about how they got pregnant yeah. or what they were doing when they, you know, whatever was we going think. on, then it doesn't exist. Well, but also so, regardless of how, right? Like a woman's body, just yeah. the moment she becomes pregnant becomes a vessel for that baby, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, or that, I don't want to say baby, becomes a vessel for that group of cells that will eventually Anyways, like I don't want to get into that. This, I mean, this is complicated. So I'm complicated. actually glad we're saying this because I think even at the start of this, you were talking about like bodies, women whose bodies can have babies, right? I mean, even as we're talking about this and maybe as you're listening to us folks, you're like, oh, you guys are missing this part or you're missing this part. And I really hope that people respond and engage with us in having more of yeah. these kinds of conversations because it is it is hard to talk about this stuff, and which is, I think, what's why people don't want to. Uh, I think we should take a quick break and then let's talk about what people can do about it. Tacoma and Pierce County's restaurant scene just keeps getting better and better. Even in the crazy time of COVID, you can order in and support great local establishments every day of the month and never have to repeat yourself. If you love to dine locally, then here's my challenge to you. Put your money where your mouth is and bank locally too with Pierce County's local choice, Tapco Credit Union. And yes, that is the corniest segue I've ever said. But it's true though. I mean, you can also choose to keep your money locally, which is really exciting. TAPCO is committed to serving Tacoma and Pierce County, just like Channel 253. TAPCO offers services and programs that you need, such as home loans, auto loans, checking and savings, mobile banking, all with lower fees and better rates than the big guys. 
Plus, the knowledge that you are keeping your money right here with a credit union that supports the community you live in. To learn more about our local choice for money, visit tapcocu.org. Many thanks from us at Channel 253, an interchangeable white ladies podcast, to Tapco for all of your support. And we're back. Please make sure that you've subscribed to Channel 253. It is really easy. There's a button in our downloads um, for this podcast in our show notes. And if you don't know by now, it's $4 a month. That's it. Only $4 less than a coffee. There you go. Do it. So before we do this, at the top of the episode, I referenced a little bit about what's kind of happening across the country and has this um, anti-abortion law in Texas spurred other action? in other areas of the country? And the answer is yes. So right now, Florida has introduced an anti-abortion bill that is very similar to the Texas bill. They have used many of the same components. It has not been passed yet, but it's been introduced in the state legislature and many believe that it will pass. So we're already beginning to see other states seeing the success of the Texas bill, which is this is how it works in this country, right? One state kind of takes a step in a direction and then others follow. We've seen it. Hello, um, you gotta be inspired. You're inspired. inspired. You're like, Who's going to take a step out there? Who's going to actually step on people's rights? Who's going to manipulate the system? But it's not always negative. It's not always negative, I'll say. Right? So when same-sex marriage began, that started by individual states testing the waters. And I always tell my students, states can act as incubators, right? Um, Good or bad, right? The legalization of marijuana. We are watching that march happen right now. Um, individual states are legalizing. I I tell them I could, I definitely think that it will be federally legal in the next, mm. you know, okay. four to eight years. But also you can <laughs> see it now with, um, there's some not so positive things, yeah. right? Where now Texas is this incubator for this really horrific, like Hope was saying, stomping on human rights. Um, mm-hmm. And other states are like, wait a second, wait a tick. We can get away with that. Um, the Supreme Court didn't act on it. And so I would argue um, that we're going to see several states begin to adopt very similar laws. Um, so that's currently happening in Florida. That was the one that I saw. But also the Supreme Court has accepted a case Um <clears throat> Uh, It's a Mississippi abortion case that challenges the Roe v. Wade precedent, Um, and it centers on a 2018 law in Mississippi that bans most abortions after 15 weeks, Um, a cutoff that is significantly earlier than the general fetal viability standard of around 22 weeks. Um, So there's a law in Mississippi that is being challenged and is going to be heard starting on December 1st in the Supreme Court. Now, people are worried because first, the Supreme Court has gotten significantly more conservative. I still makes me like bile rise up (laughs) when I say that Trump was able to appoint three Supreme Court justices in his four year, right? Oh, also, this is our first episode where both Hope and I are not in studio. Thank you, Doug. (laughs) He's got it there. Um, I feel like this entire episode can just be like one big shame bell episode. Um, But it's a 6-3 split now. So I still, it makes me, my heart ache that Trump was able to appoint three Supreme Court justices, which is just wild. And um, 
And this case has the potential to overturn Roe v. Wade, the Roe v. Wade precedent, or not if not overturn, because a lot of people struggle with that like verbiage, um, significantly alter the Roe v. Wade precedent. So that's kind of what's going on right now across the country. There are other states that have restrictive um, laws regarding abortion, like the Texas law is not yeah. the first one that has done this. Um, so I really suggest that you all do your research and figure out, let this be the motivator for you to figure out where in, in our country our laws and on the books that really restrict women's access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me think about, you know, why do we care at Washington about in Washington? And I think back to what we were saying earlier about like preemptive outrage, but, which was a big, you know, running joke. But I also think that it's smart for us to continue. If we want something to maintain the way it is in Washington state and our kind of our attitude, then we do need to keep an eye on what's the conversation is around it and continue to elect people that we know will support um, women's rights in this way, if that's something that matters to you. Right. And so I think we don't, we don't stir up a crisis, but we also need to think about how do we reinforce what is happening and people in power will do what they feel like their constituents for the most part want them to do or the ones that are the loudest. And maybe it's not really most of their constituents, but it's whoever is loud and sent them those emails. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's part of, for us in Washington is to consider that. Um, I know we were like, we're blue state. None of this stuff happens to us, but I think you have to continue to hold, you know, those infrastructures and those things, those institutions. And then I do think for us, like, how do we support, I guess, um, or help fight the work that's happened. Like, absolutely. I'm not even asking this question. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, absolutely. how do we then get involved? And is it is it our business? Should we be like, well, those states need to take care of their own business. I need to take care of my own state. What do you think? Advocacy has, has no borders. Thing? Advocacy has no borders. And that's so, right, if you view yourself as an advocate, if you view yourself as somebody who is a feminist and somebody who supports women's right to access to healthcare and making their own decisions about their own bodies and that the government should have no role in the relationship between a woman and her doctor, that that doesn't stay within the bounds of Washington just because it's not going to impact you doesn't make it any less important um, to establish. And so that's kind of my, my take is that that is amazing that in Washington state, we are not having to worry about this right now, but also the fact that any woman is having to worry about this or any, um, any person is having to worry about this. That is a, that is a reason enough for me, right? That that is infuriating in the idea that in this country, we are walking backwards in women's rights is infuriating to me. Um, and so I have been asking myself, what can I do? What can I do in Washington? I'm not a citizen of Texas. They're, um, like you said, right? The elected officials care about what their constituents care about. I am not their constituent. And so I have very little influence on what those elected officials are going to do. But who I do have um, an impact on are my elected officials in Congress. And so we have to remember federal supremacy. And so mm-hmm. Congress can act and create laws that will override the Texas state laws because of federal supremacy. So if Congress were to pass a law 
that would supersede any laws that the states would make. And um, they have the power to do that. There has the House has already passed a bill about reproductive rights um, called the Reproductive Rights Bill. And so now it's in the hands of the senators. So something that you can do is to contact your senator, um, your senators in your state and encourage them to look at the bill, pass the bill, ask questions about the bill. Um, I mean, I contact your representatives in your house representatives and tell them to put pressure on the Senate. Um, but know that Congress has power in this situation. They can, they can pass laws and policies that establish what do women's rights look like in this country. Um, so that's one way. Yeah. I feel like we just, um, were schooled by you, Miss Holyoke just now. That was a good insight in your classroom. So thank you for that on this fine Sunday. You're uh, welcome. Let's go, to our la- let's go to our last segment because a couple of the more things that we wanted to talk about are really just homework for people. Mm-hmm. So do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. I think when this first started popping up on my news feeds, um, I immediately was like, who can I give money to? Because I can't do anything else. Yes. I can I can go support some of these. um, And I started looking up a bunch of different um, sources and I actually didn't settle on who to give money to, but I started to look into that a little bit and, and we'll, we'll do some of that research for y'all and and post it in the show notes as well. But there's so many, I think I was also a little bit disheartened, but there's a lot of organizations that are still like holding on by a last dollar bill. And I think in that moment, I was like, which one will make a difference with this 50 bucks I want to donate or however much I was thinking about at the time. I don't remember, but um, I think I was a little bit torn with that, but I I do want to say people like put your money there, especially because we said, you know, this matters for outside of our state. And that's one thing you can do. If you believe in this, your money should also follow your belief. Yeah. And I also think, so um, I found a really great list, 20 organizations fighting the Texas abortion ban. Um, And we'll link that in the show notes, but you can kind of figure out, you can kind of decide, okay, where do I want to put my money? What type of organization do I want to support? Do I want, there are organizations that are helping women access abortions right now, right? There are organizations that are paying for and organizing travel and accommodations out of the state of Texas to states that still are allowing abortions, right? So you can donate funds to those organizations. Um, There are also those organizations that are doing more community building and educating and political advocacy. If that's your jam, if you're like, listen, I want to put my money into fighting this law. Um, I want to put money into the advocacy side of it go and give money to those organizations that the list of 20 has um, all different types of organizations that are all doing all different types of work. So even giving money can feel more personal because you can choose the type of work that you want to support. And then, I mean, honestly, Planned Parenthood of Texas or Planned Parenthood of like Houston or Dallas, I mean, that honestly, it's the safest bet. In terms of giving money, if you're like, I don't have time to do the research, I don't have time to figure out what organization, like Planned Parenthood in Texas could can use all of the resources it can get right now in providing care and education, and they do a great job of advocacy for women's health, all of that good stuff. There was one, it's funny because this is actually the same list I was looking at before that overwhelmed me, but I'm inspired again um, to follow through. One of the organizations, and I can't find it right now, but... Uh, 
it's it's focused on helping people with the process. So it like yeah. helps reimburse people for gas for in the car. It helps sort out lodging, food. It's really interesting. So if yeah. you're interested in those kind of like practical components, yep. I think that might be an organization for you. Yeah. Because yeah, right um, now, like the yeah. way to access abortion in Texas is to leave Texas. And we yeah. all know that Texas loves to talk about how big Texas is, right? So it's not an easy <laughs> trip for a lot of, a I lot just, of people. I just, popped my sound there. Sorry, Doug, uh, in my response to your joke. Uh, well, thanks listeners. And thanks Megan for helping us, um, dissect this issue more. Oh, I was, um, I am always looking to have these conversations. If anybody has any questions or wants to talk about it further, like I know that this is a really challenging topic to talk about. Um, but I think it's really important for us to continue to have it. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye. Bye. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Channeling my inner teenager with their duck lips right there, which is the opposite of how I feel. <laughs> oh, my God. Duck lips. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer. Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.